There is no other podcast like this, so proceed with caution as we challenge your beliefs by providing the forbidden information kept away from you and your family by modern medicine so they can keep you on the path of drugs for anything and drugs for everything. Hundreds of years of preventative medicine have been destroyed by Big Pharma. We're in the dark ages of true healing. After all, it's not just about living long, it's about living well. If your continuing search for answers has led you nowhere, you will find the truth here on the Forbidden Doctor Podcast. Now prepare to have your consciousness explode into the next evolutionary stage of human existence with your hosts, Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell. Stockwell. Hey everybody, welcome to another Forbidden Doctor podcast. I'm Mary and I'm here with Dr. Jack. That must be me. This is episode 25, Diabetes, Amputations, and E-Harmony. <laughs> TM, trademark. Yes, E-Harmony, the matchmaking online service. Yes. Who would have known that's got anything to do <laughs> with diabetes? <laughs> but it does. And actually, I forgot how you're going to relate that, so... You're going to remember, right? Right. Because in this podcast, you are going to learn about the story of a mother of two boys with diabetes type 1 and her incredible miracle in just two weeks. Yeah, that's a really cool story. And um, we are going to talk about the epidemic of diabetes and the forbidden cure that is hidden from you that the powers that be would just assume nobody knows. Yep. Keep it. Locked away 100 feet under the ground. In fact, just last month in the Wall Street Journal, mm -hmm. there's a st story about computer experts deliver insulin to diabetic kids. And in the what this is the saddest thing ever. We are we have no healers left in this country. We are not looking for the cure for diabetes or what prevents it or to how to heal the pancreas, or the kidney. In this article, it says, in the world of diabetes, the Holy Grail is a device that can monitor a person's blood sugar and deliver insulin as needed, effectively an artificial pancreas. So that's what the medical world is out there doing, trying to find a robotic pancreas. You know what this is like? <laughs> this is like a house in your neighborhood catching on fire that won't go out. <laughs> and rather yes. than somebody getting inside the house or digging under it or coming it's in from crazy. the backside and finding a leaking pipe of natural gas fueling the fire, they just bring in one fire truck after another fire truck. Oh, let's hit it from this side. Let's hit it from that side. Let's throw dirt on it. Let's drop that red stuff from the f brush fire airplanes. And on top of it, don't even bring real firefighters. That can be intuitive and figure out things. Yeah. Let's just bring robots in. Yeah, robots or the old uh, fire brigade where they passed buckets down the line and tossed a bucket. on. Yeah. Rather than finding out why the fire won't go out, <laughs> let's just keep trying to put I it out. I shouldn't laugh. This is very serious no, it's to a very, lot of people. It kills. But it, that's the Wall Street Journal last month. Last month. And there's a picture the of this Holy device. Grail. Now, the Holy Grail, it's not like, no. well, here's another good idea. No, it's the when Holy Grail. When you start Grail. you start talking Holy Grail, you're talking about the good idea of good ideas. Yeah, and it says the Holy Grail is a device that can monitor a person's blood sugar and deliver insulin as needed. Oh, this is just infuriating. This is, this is another step in just programming the population to manage symptoms rather than find the cause and get rid of it. Yeah, and they want to play God because they want 
to be an artificial pancreas. Well, you're, you know, as we get into this and develop this whole idea briefly, really, we could talk a whole week on the subject of diabetes. But I want to get, I want to get to the whole idea behind where it comes from and why we have it. But before we do that, at the very beginning, I mentioned this lady with two boys with diabetes type 1 and what happened within two weeks once they listened to what we had to say. Yeah, this is amazing. We have a um, applied clinical nutritionist in our office, and this was a patient of our clinic that she took care of. Her name is Ambrosia, and actually she's my daughter. Yes. Yeah. I've taught her everything she knows. Yes, of course. Of course. (laughs) She won't appreciate that. So, Okay, so this was written June 3rd, 2015. Her name is Helen, and she says, I have suffered from celiac disease for nearly five years. I was constantly in pain, and even when I followed a gluten-free diet, I still was in pain. Ooh. I'm reading this, by the way, from her handwritten testimony, so it's a little bit difficult sometimes for me to make out some words, but I wanted it to be real. So I followed a gluten-free diet. Although the symptoms created stress and emotional upset, I had accepted them as, quote, part of life. What really caused me heartache and distress was my boy's recent diagnosis of type 1 diabetes. For the past three years, two of my children, ages 11 and 13 presently, have suffered from an inability to create insulin on their own. That, that's the definition of type 1 diabetes. Yes. Okay. They both would have to administer 6 to 10 units of insulin per day, as well as their nightly dose. And I know this light n- nightly dose was a long time-release acting insulin. Now she says, now it gets good. After Ambrosia had assessed and consulted me with me and my boys, the results were nothing less of a miracle. I am no longer in pain from the celiac disease and can absorb and digest food for the first time in years. After two months of nutritional and behavioral techniques, the results are amazing. I have recently started my boys on the GAPS diet, as suggested by Ambrosia, It has only been two weeks and a miracle has happened. During those two weeks, my boys have regularly checked their blood sugar levels and they have not required any insulin. She underlined the word any one, two, three, four, five, six times. This is just two weeks after starting the protocol. Yeah. Getting those healing fats. Wow. Their numbers have remained optimal at 120. They have still required the long-acting insulin at night. However, their dose has dramatically reduced, and during the day they follow the GAPS diet and supplements, including veggies and fruit and some honey, without having to take insulin. In addition, my depression and ADHD have dramatically decreased. My boy's depression slash anxiety has also dramatically decreased. Then she wrote these cute little notes on the bottom, and she said, my 13-year-old son said, in quotes, Mom, I feel like a normal person. The other, her 11-year-old son said, I feel like I don't get mad as much. And then she wrote, in quotes, I have hope again, and it feels like a dream. Ambrosia and Mary and Dr. Jack and Dr. Josh, um, you and your families will be blessed for eternities for all the good you have done and will, I will forever be grateful. Helen. Now see, that's what the forbidden doctor is all about. Yes. That's what nobody knows about. This is what you should tell everybody out there in podcast land. Send this podcast out and give some hope back to these people. Yes. 
Yes, because they're told that once you get a diagnosis of diabetes, there's no cure for it, and the only thing you can do is manage the symptoms. And celiac disease, too. We just did a consultation with somebody in Israel yesterday over Skype, and she has a daughter that has celiac disease, and she won't listen to her at all, to the mother, and she says, this is incurable. I'm going wow. to have it the rest of my life, and don't talk to me about it. That's sad. That's that's such a sad, sad that's story. That's very sad. So, Yeah, some people okay. just give up to the powers that be and surrender to drugs for everything, drugs for anything kind of thinking. So let's let's get into this. You talked about it there for a moment. You Diabetes type 1, diabetes type 2. Uh, this wasn't a big thing 100 years ago. I mean, diabetes was way down the list 100 years ago. Yeah. And of course, back then it was called sugar diabetes. Yes. And what's happened is the sugar industry and its influence with pharmaceuticals and Congress have removed the word sugar from diabetes because they knew that diabetes was a sugar handling problem brought on primarily by too much sugar mm -hmm. for type 2, type 1. Um, type 1 diabetes... A hundred years ago, when it occurred, was diagnosed in very, very young people. I mean, you could tell by the first or second month, you could tell by the first or second year of life, there was a, th a problem, failure to thrive. It was either the thyroid or the body's inability to produce insulin. It wasn't from a lack of exercise. It wasn't from a lack of exercise. It wasn't from iPads and iPhones and computer <laughs> games and all this. It wasn't because of that. But now... The average onset age for type 1, the inability to produce insulin, is 14. So they were producing insulin. And then they stopped. And then the body stopped producing insulin. That's completely different than what it was 100 years ago. And then type 2, of course, everywhere you turn, uh, the numbers are staggering as far as what is predicted in the future. And that's adult onset diabetes. Uh, adult onset diabetes is where you suddenly start having elevated levels of sugar in the blood. Yeah. You know, it depends on who you've gone to. The American uh, Diabetes Association has their numbers. Uh, usually anything, a fasting blood sugar above, oh, like 140 or 160, it, it starts sending off alarms. Fasting means you haven't eaten for a while. So obviously when you eat carbohydrates, the pancreas releases insulin, insulin levels go up in the blood. The job of insulin is to bring to open the doors of the cells, the pores, the receptor sites for insulin, uh, to open up those pores and allow glucose to go into the cell. Now, I want to back up for a second here. And glucose is the end product of carbohydrate metabolism. You eat carbohydrates, fruits, vegetables, and the amylase enzyme that's in your saliva begins to break down the carbohydrate. As soon as you swallow it, it gets in the stomach. When the acid is finally released, the acidic environment stops the amylase breakdown of carbs uh, temporarily while the acid is working on the proteins to mm -hmm. unfold them. Then that whole thing, uh, the chyme, gets released from the stomach into the small, small. The beginning of the small intestine where it is blasted with bicarbonate in order to neutralize the acid. And then all of these alkaline enzymes show up and then the carbohydrate digestion begins again, which is to take sugars and break them down into very, very simple sugars so that it can become, so the liver can turn this thing into glucose. So you have energy. Well, there are certain tissues 
that require sugar, in fact. And, and so you might ask the question, well, why is it so important that there is a constant uh, release of this blood sugar into the body or, or a, a constant release of blood sugar uh, so that there's a constant level of blood sugar and it's very hard to, to keep that going because sugar levels go up and down. You, you consume something that's sweet, insulin is released, the blood sugar level goes down. Uh, then you start getting a little itchy, a little nervous, a little anxiety-filled if you're hypoglycemic. And and we've got the answer for hypoglycemia. We'll get to that here before too long, as well as, as diabetes. Hey. And hyperglycemia, they're all the same problem. If, they just manifest differently. If I watch a Reese's peanut butter cup commercial on TV, I, I you feel can, that flush in your face. I can feel the insulin. You can, flush. That, it, it, that's exactly what happens. Yes. Ins- you don't have to have the sugar hit your mouth. Yeah. All you have it's to do crazy. is think about sugar yep. and the insulin begins to be released. Such a powerful body we have. Well, it is. And insulin is a very powerful hormone. And so why is it so important that we maintain a, a certain blood glo- uh, glucose concentration, particularly because most of the tissues in the body, when the blood sugar goes down, the body will shift to fat or something called uh, gluconeogenesis. It's the, uh, the formation of sugar in the body from fats and proteins. And we want that. And we want that. And so why do we have to, if, the, if the body between meals, mm-hmm. see, you, you sit there and you eat something sugary, like a, a sugar-filled breakfast, eat breakfast cereal. The quickest way to get a heart attack I know of is to eat breakfast cereal and pasteurized milk. But with that breakfast cereal, is abs- it, the sugar is in the product, the sugar has been laced with product, and then a lot of times it's frosted with sugar on top of the sugar lacing. <laughs> And so you eat that, and your blood sugar goes up, insulin goes up, the blood sugar gets into the cells, insulin goes down, blood sugar goes down. What happens between there and your mid-morning snack of M&Ms when you need another big blast of sugar? Well, this neoglucogen- or the gluconeogenesis takes over, but there are certain tissues that still need to have sugar, even though some tissues can start using fats for its energy, and the body will shift to fat for its energy source. And those tissues, uh, normally the brain and the retina, and the retina is just the extension, cranial nerve number two, it's just the extension of the brain itself. Retina is brain tissue, even though it's inside the eyeball. And so the brain, the retina, and what's called the germinal epithelium of the gonads, the tissue that helps to feed and mature the eggs in the ovary, and the tissue that helps to produce vital sperm cells in the testes. Again, nature taking care of itself. They need the sugar. They need the sugar, and they need the sugar on a regular basis. So that when you're between meals or you've gone longer than you planned on going without eating something, and you get shaky and jumpy because you're hypoglycemic, your body is already starting to make sugar out of fats and proteins to keep those tissues with sufficient energy because the brain, ounce for ounce, the brain uses more energy than any other tissue inside the body. The retina, has, being brain tissue, uses a tremendous amount of energy. And the body's reproductive cells require tremendous amounts of energy because, my goodness, you just never know when you got to go reproduce. Mm-hmm. And so nature continuing the flow of the species will take care of these things by adequate amounts of sugar. So the trick here is that when the body needs sugar, sugar's available, and when it gets too much or it doesn't get enough, then we start having problems called diabetes. We get a robot put inside of us. Yes, that's what that (laughs) Wall Street Journal article is about, isn't it? Yeah. 
We're going to have these little robots that are inside so the body. Can figure it out. And so you'll be hooked up to a little system that will release. Because heavens, we can't have your own pancreas doing this. Oh no, no, no. We let yes. We when we start to have organ dysfunction, the last thing any of us would think of is let's get that organ working again. Well, let me let me ask you a question though, because this is something I didn't understand for years and years, and. I'd heard about diabetes and the pancreas and the kidney and, you know, pituitary I know, you know, know about. Could you explain how those organs, glands are connected with diabetes? Well, let's... Um, and what goes wrong? Because you have explained this to me in the past and it's super, super sexy. So <laughs> I well, want you to do it for everybody out there in podcast land. The thing that usually kills diabetics is heart attack and stroke. Uh, end-stage kidney disease, and then there's problems with retinopathy, and there's problems with blindness, ischemia, gangrene of the limbs, which is going to lead to amputations. Ooh, that's in our title. And yes, and so all of these things, if you if you can understand, if you can understand what I'm going to, I might get a little bit technical here, but I don't know how. But this is cool. to explain this. There's nothing without cooler, being a little technical. Yeah, there's nothing cooler than learning something new. And when you told me about how the kidney works and the osmotic pressure and all the different things, you were telling me about the four months of studying the kidneys. Oh, my goodness. Uh, renal physiology is the class in school. And I think we had it in about the third semester. There's 10 semesters to chiropractic college. Actually, chiropractic uh, college is about a half a year longer than med school. And then, of course, after med school, you go into internship or specialties or residencies or whatever else you want to do. You can do uh, specialties in chiropractic as well. But uh, there's 10 semesters to chiropractic education. And in the third one, um, as I was going through the um, syllabus syllabus for the class, and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I'm scratching my head like, the kidney does all this? I thought a class on the kidney could be taken care of in one afternoon. Yeah, and it was four you months, know, come you back, said. You know, and the class <laughs> is three and a half to four months long. And I yeah. thought, how, come on, how can a kidney be that important? Well, the kidney is that important. But tell them what, what it does. Well, this was cool. This is for type two, type two diabetes, not type one. Very high levels of blood glucose, sugar in the blood, can cause some very severe dehydration throughout the body because this occurs because uh, glucose doesn't get out of the bloodstream into the cells very easily. And this is where the role of insulin comes in because there's these little tiny pores on the walls of the cells for sugar to get in there. And this is how we'll be talking about eHarmony here before too long <laughs> and how that all works. So you get a concentration of um, blood sugar in the extracellular fluid, which means outside the cell itself, in the fluids that are around the cells, the uh, the extrastitial fluids, the lymph. The reticuloendothelial system? The, yes, that uses this the area. Lymphs. That uses that the lymphs and that part of the body to get rid of the trash mm -hmm. and garbage. That's true. And so, so what you do is you get this increased osmotic pressure outside of the cells, which causes water inside the cells to come out and the cells begin to dehydrate. This is what leads to excessive thirst with diabetic patients. Now, osmolarity and osmotic pressure, I remember, I think it was in the sixth grade, and during a class on science one day, we had this uh, aquarium, and the teacher brought in this 
it looked like saran wrap. I don't remember exactly what the material Tan, was. Yeah. But it was this uh, plastic material that went, that you put it in the middle of the aquarium, upright. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to be impermeable to water. Water wouldn't go through it. So we filled up both sides of the aquarium with this sheet of material in between the two sides. And one side uh, was distilled water, or both sides actually were distilled water. I think we're like we maybe have put a gallon in each side. And then on one side, we put in, I think it was like two or three tablespoons of salt and stirred it around until the salt dissolved inside the water. That creates what's known as a certain gradient from the non-salt side to the heavy concentrated salt side so that the osmolarity pressure, the osmotic pressure inside the water with the salt in it was greater than the pressure on the other side. And so we measured the salinity of the water. We had an electrical device that will do that. How much salt was in it? Yeah, the the salt concentration in that water. And then we put a cover over the top of it so nothing would evaporate. And we checked it the next day, and the osmolarity was exactly the same on both sides. There's the osmotic, no, the osmolarity. The measurement of salinity, the measurement of salt in the fluid, because the osmotic pressure on the salt side pushed salt, sodium ions, across that barrier into the other side. So it wasn't totally impermeable. It was permeable to sodium ions. So in the cells, you've got the same thing going yeah. on. And, and the body has a very, 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 just almost miraculous system in which it balances osmolarity because there's a certain osmolarity of the blood itself because there's chloride ions, there's sodium ions, potassium ions that are flowing in the blood. And in the extracellular tissue, which is the tissue that's outside of the blood flow, and it's, it's full of lymph that's bathing these tissues, and there's a certain osmolarity of that fluid. And then inside the cell itself is a certain osmolarity. And this is part of the role of electrolytes. And mm-hmm. you hear about electrolytes, sodium, potassium, chloride, uh, there's a few others that balance these uh, osmotic pressures inside, outside the cell, inside the bloodstream, outside the bloodstream. So we don't just all mesh together. So to to keep, to allow the flow of electrolytes, which allows the flow essentially of electrical charges through the body, and this is very very important when it comes to nerve cells, and where certain problems with diabetic neuropathy starts to come in when the nerves begin to be certain to a level of dysfunction. But I don't want to go that deep into this podcast. I just want to talk about the fact that increased blood glucose, because it's not getting into the cell, either because it's type 1 diabetes and you're not making enough insulin, mm-hmm. or type 2 diabetes where you've got a lot of insulin, but the cells aren't responding to it. And we'll talk about why that's the case. And this is what we know as insulin resistance. And so because that osmotic pressure, the buildup of blood glucose in the fluid outside the cells that osmolarity imbalance will suck water out of the cell and dehydrate the cell to dilute the salt that's outside the cell. So that's where the excessive thirst starts to come in. And polyuria, which is excessive urination because Mm -hmm. all of this 
water is showing up all over the place. And then suddenly you've got to go to the bathroom constantly. There's intracellular dehydration, extracellular dehydration, because what I just explained can also be reversed. So that fluid, too much, too much fluid gets inside the bloodstream out of the extracellular fluids that bathe the, bathe the cells. And then, but excessive thirst is one of the classic examples. And so part of the problem here is that excessive amounts of blood sugar can cause tissue injury, actually injure the tissue itself. And when blood glucose is, is poorly controlled over long periods of time, the blood vessels in all kinds of tissues throughout the body begin to function abnormally. Well, also, too, if you have a tremendous amount of insulin flowing, flowing through you, doesn't that cause oh, yeah, tremendous insulin? Inflammation, Inflammation. yes. And you get the heart problems and the Constant sources, that's right. And that's where this stuff comes in. So you have excessive amounts of blood sugar that damages the tissues, excessive amounts of insulin in type 2 diabetes that causes constant inflammation so that the body can't repair the lesions in the bloodstream. And then you start ending up with placking and all the other kinds of things that are associated with atherosclerosis, ulcers that won't heal. And so I mean, this inside, is where inside yeah, everywhere. Yes, and this is where you get the increased risk for heart attack and stroke and end-stage kidney disease because the fine tiny little filters inside the kidney break down and can't filter and either let protein and sugar go flying through the system or there or there's some blockage that occurs and because the kidney can't filter itself properly the uric acid builds up inside the bloodstream which affects the pH of the blood. And you can't fool around with the pH of the blood. That's no. why people with end-stage kidney disease will be in and out of comas before they die. Yeah. So what happens is that in a kidney, yeah, you, have the renal, cool. <laughs> you have the renal artery mm-hmm. that is bringing blood into the, into the kidney. And now you have also inside the kidney this osmolarity thing, mm-hmm. the osmotic pressure. As We have millions of these little tiny filters called the glomerulus in each kidney. And it's like an incredibly tiny sieve. And what will go through that sieve is a little bit of, of uh, glucose, a little bit of sugar. Red blood cells are bigger than the holes of these filters, so you should never have blood in your urine. That's why you don't have blood in your urine. Uric acid will go through there, nitrogen wastes, these kinds of things. And when the body wants to get r- change the osmolarity of the blood and the osmolarity of the tissues, it will either let electrolytes out of the kidney into the urine through the bladder now the body, or it will pull them back in through something called the loop of Henle. And this is where I thought an afternoon class was, ah, who needs to know more than an afternoon of the kidney? This is when I fell in love with the kidneys, when I understood this incredible filtration process that takes place inside the kidney. You know, it's kind of sounding like zonulin cells in the gut. I mean, that's what I've studied a yeah. lot more than Explain kidneys. the zonulin for a second. Yeah, it just makes the decision whether it's going to let something through. And it's very complicated, but it will only let through amino acids. It won't let through whole proteins. Right. But when the zonulin cells get destroyed by toxins and tremendous flora imbalance, they, they literally dissolve. Yeah. And you have those same cells in your brain. And these, these zonulins are the cells that knit and hold together little the, proteins, the enterocytes. enterocytes yeah. right. and, and when they get destroyed, here comes leaky gut. And that's bad. But you know what? Leaky brain 
is even worse. Yes. So well, anyway. Yeah. I know some people who've <laughs> leaked some brains. All right. So when you get the high blood sugar concentration, then this is where you're going to start getting the problems with peripheral neuropathy, which is the abnormal function of the peripheral nerves. And the peripheral nerves are any nerves in the body outside of the, of the skull or the spinal canal. So all the nerves inside the chest, the abdomen, the pelvic cavity, all the nerves in the upper and lower extremities, those are all peripheral nerves. It's central nerves as, as the nerve comes out of the spinal cord and as it exits the spine and gets into the muscle and everything else that surrounds the spine, then it's a peripheral nerve. And peripheral neuropathy is when these nerves begin to break down mm-hmm. and high blood glucose because of insulin problems, either you don't have enough or your body doesn't recognize tearing it, starts tear- it starts tearing these things a up. A never-ending ulcer. Right. And so you have never healing. Uh, uh, autonomic nervous system dysfunction, imbalances between parasympathetic and sympathetic, which we really get into in po- uh, podcast 19, the real cause of heart attacks and what to do about it can be preceded by sugar handling problems that can lead to an acidotic type of, or acidosis, I should say, problem inside the heart, the heart, I'm not going to get into that. You can Mm -hmm. listen to podcast 19, but we get into that in much more detail. So diabetes type one, you either don't make enough insulin or you did and suddenly it stops and we're going to get into that. Or type two, you're making plenty of insulin and, but, and, but it's not the body's, well, who are you? Well, you're speaking Chinese to me. I don't know who you are. Well, let's go back to Mr. Henley here. All right. Because that is controlled with the pituitary. Yes. And there's something called the antidiuretic hormone that comes out of the posterior part of the of the of the uh, pituitary that will signal this loop of Henley, the, the probably the last little tubule that uh, all this material, all this fluid goes through before it gets into the medulla of the kidney as it gets ready to drop down the ureters into the bladder. The medulla is the middle part. Right. This is where the urine will concentrate. And again, this is so exciting because this is where more osmotic pressure takes place because you don't just have the pressure of blood pumping into the kidney, forcing urine material out of the blood through these little filters. As that urine material inside the kidney begins to build up these salts, Um, the uric acid, all these kinds of things, they create a certain osmotic pressure that pulls even more fluid through the filters, which is why sometimes based on what you've eaten or stress because of cortisol and its actions on the kidney and a few other things, uh, suddenly you've got to pee an awful lot more than you otherwise. If you get nervous, you get scared. If you're watching a scary movie. Well, that's a bladder incontinence. You pull up in the driveway. Yes. Suddenly you this, yeah, you suddenly you have water to pee. Running. Water running. <laughs> These kinds of things. And then sometimes you can go hours without having to urinate. Other times you've got to urinate about every hour, depending on other kinds of chemical situations in the body. Wow. As the body is constantly trying to maintain homeostasis. And you don't get to adjust this. No. And so what happens when this dysfunction starts to show up? Well, children can get adult diabetes. And what what do we have now compared to, you remember there was a time when we would punish children, of course this is before your time, <laughs> by sending them in the house. Yeah, they couldn't play outside. You couldn't play outside. I remember that actually. Now we can't get them outside to play. I used to play, to play come to court at night with the whole neighborhood oh, children. Yeah. And we would just be on pins and needles waiting for our mothers to call saying, you have to come inside. Yes. And I, you know, I still. Well, the lucky kids and moms didn't call for them until midnight. 
But the, the rest of us, you know, the sun hasn't gone down yet. You know, I'm it's still light outside. I'm 53 and I still get, I still get this, hor- when, when I'm out at a party or doing something really fun and the phone rings or something, I still get this anxiety. Oh no, it's my mother calling, telling me I have to go home. Because kids hated to be inside. Yes. Now they want to be inside because of video games. Yeah, we're video ta- games, we're television. We're about exercise. Right. Which is a big deterrent to the right. type 1 diabetes that, that kids get because they, they're not getting enough exercise. Of course, they're not getting vitamin D and all kinds of other things because they're inside being immobile. Yeah. So that is a good preventative. And these kids that are staying inside when they get home from school, they're having snacks. Yeah, sugary Processed snacks. foods. Yeah. So, you know, usually exercise is the only thing that's given to help any disease in America. But... You know, in this case, it is really important, especially for children. Well, there's only a few things that I really want you to remember from this podcast. And number one is the function of the pancreas. The pancreas depends on B vitamins for its health. Whole food B vitamins. And what, you're, what we end up seeing here is that non-foods and refined foods are completely lacking in B vitamins. Soda, foods laced with sugar... Because B vitamins are absolutely essential for glycolysis, which is the metabolism of sugar into energy. And if sugars are not metabolized by the cells for energy, what does the body do with that sugar? Converts it to fat. The number one job of insulin is not to get blood sugar out of the blood into the cells. The number one job of insulin is fat storage. Yeah. So here's a reason why people with type 2 usually are overweight. Yeah, type 1, or they're very skinny. Usually they're skinny because they're not getting the sugar metabolism to create the energy they need to burn up this stuff. Mm-hmm. But with type 2, you've got high insulin, high blood sugar. High insulin, number one job, fat storage. Convert that sugar to fat. But then you have the deleterious effects upon the tissues of concentrated sugar in the blood and concentrated insulin in the blood, which is why the number one cause of death for diabetic people are heart attacks and stroke, because the blood vessels finally get chewed up, as you said there a few minutes ago. And there's 78,813 deaths a year because of diabetes. Absolutely. 78,000. Yeah. How many cases of diabetes? Well, in 2050, the CDC says there'll be one in three. One in three. Thirty-three. They expect 33% of American adults to have type 2 diabetes by 2050. Yeah, now it's one in 10. One in 10. That's a little old statistics. That's the two, from 2010. Yeah, that, that's... Yes. So it's probably more than that. So as these kids are sitting on the couch playing their video games, watching television, uh, texting, whatever else, their muscles begin weaker, to get weaker. The muscles get more fatty. And so the normal cellular response to insulin just becomes less and less functional because insulin is there all the time. It doesn't get recognized. It doesn't do what needs, it needs to be done. So, and then I don't think we have time to get into vaccinations and diabetes, but drugs are the fourth leading cause of death in America today. But the, the major side effect, one of the major side effects of vaccinations is diabetes because the chemicals, the adjuvants in the, um, the solution are poisons to the pancreas as well as a bunch of other organs. But the, uh, the data that was presented before Congress, oh my goodness, it's almost 20 years ago, showed a direct correlation between vaccinations and diabetes in young people. And then there's the relationship between pasteurized milk and diabetes. I mean, if there's anybody in the family with type 1 diabetes, all babies should be fed, should not be fed pasteurized dairy. 
And we talked about this at length when we talked about Pottinger's cats. That's back in number 12, breastfeeding, infertility, and death. And I'll tell you, if you don't know enough bad about pasteurized dairy, listen to podcast number 12. Yeah. Because we go into great length there about that. But there is a direct link between... Oh, and I think I think the la- the number latest numbers I saw about type two is that eighty percent of those who have diabetes in America today are adult type two. Too much insulin, too much blood sugar, the overprocessed foods that we eat, and by processed I mean anything that wasn't in the way nature made it. Right. So potatoes is is one thing. Potato salad, you know, is something else. That was bad. Potatoes facts. are one thing. But potato chips fried in canola oil is something else and loaded up with uh, the wrong kind of salt. And then there's this jump back to type 1, juvenile diabetes for a second. There is a strong link between pasteurized milk, corn syrup and sweeteners and processed foods, and chlorine that's present in the drinking water. Yeah, this is scary. And I think we ought to talk about that for a second. Back in 1906, the FDA tried to ban corn syrup. In fact, 1906, I think, is the year the the FDA was formed. Dr. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, was the first a director of the FDA, a really good man. Yeah. Who, and when the F, back then, the FDA uh, existed to try to protect the food supply of Americans. Of course, the FDA exists today to make the world safer drugs. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the 20 members of the 30 review board at the FDA are all former CEOs of pharmaceutical companies. I mean, this is, this is so in your face as to what the FDA is about today. Conflict of interest. Conflict of interest. Anything that gets in the way of drugs, 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 and surgery is banned by the FDA. So anyway, he tried to ban corn syrup because they knew over 100 years ago that corn syrup was the only sweetener that caused diabetes in test animals. So Dr. Wiley is the first one tried to ban white flour because remember in white flour, one of the most important aspects of your body's ability to handle sugar called the glucose tolerance factor requires the presence of chromium. And when you take the little wheat berries and you grind them up and you separate the bran and you separate the germ and then you bleach the flour that's left, 98% of the chromium that's absolutely necessary for your body to handle the sugar that's in the carbohydrate of that white bread has been removed. You know, it's like, uh, imagine D-Day and all those DC-3s that are flying in across the English Channel, dropping the paratroopers behind lines for the D-Day invasion, and they're throwing out parachutes, but there's nobody attached to the parachute. (laughs) Here you're eating something that requires the body's ability to handle the very breakdown product of that white bread, and what is needed is not in it because same, it was removed in the milling. Same with pasteurized milk. Well, the same the thing with pa- the enzymes broke. have been destroyed that allow you to digest yes. the lactose yes. and the casein yeah. and the fats that are present. I mean, this is what the food labeling laws and the food industry have done to America is, is cr- criminal. I don't know what else to call it. So Dr. Wiley tries to ban white flour and Coca-Cola because the gluc, the art, the sweetener that was in Coca-Cola and the absence of chromium in the white flour, he said, are the two biggest killers in America. And he said that in 1906. 1906. So they passed laws to ban the interstate travel of Coca-Cola 
and banned the interstate travel of milled flour. Well, the milled flour business people said, well, we're not going to sit still for that. And of course, in the next round of campaign contributions, they bought a portion of Congress and overturned that law, had Dr. Wiley thrown out of the FDA. And to this day, it's still illegal to transport Coca-Cola across state lines. They never, you know, they never changed that or worried about it because Coca-Cola said, okay, we'll make Coca-Cola inside of each state. Which was easy enough. Which was easy enough to do. So, um, I, so if you can remember, diabetes is directly related to a chromium deficiency, but diabetes is also directly related to a poisoning that occurs with chlorine in our drinking water when it's combined. And this is the forbidden knowledge. The stuff I'm telling you right now is forbidden. This is cool. Chlorine combines with certain elements of vitamin E to form a toxin called alloxan, A-L-L. Uh, X-A-N, which is toxic to the pancreas, uh, uh, which is another good reason for our new life, long life extension enzymes. Yeah, we talked um, about that. Yeah, Right. We talked about that in the last because episode. It, it has an herb in it that helps heal the very cells that this alloxan right. kills. Because alloxan will attack and destroy the islets of Langerhans, um, which, act, which causes disease. In well, test an- it causes diabetes in test animals. But those are the beta cells that produce insulin. The yes. Isles of longer hands. Islets of longer hands. Now, the beta cells that produce insulin is a very small portion of the pancreas mm-hmm. compared to the part of the pancreas that makes digestive enzymes. Yeah, we went over that in the gallbladder uh, podcast. One of my good friends, if not my best friend, that I usually have breakfast with on Friday mornings was just telling me this last Friday morning that... Uh, one of his good friends had just passed away because of pancreatic cancer in his early 50s. Wow. So anyway, so the glucose tolerance factor is the molecule that activates insulin. So even before insulin can do its job, insulin has to be activated. And an inactivated insulin is the definition of type 2 diabetes. The insulin just isn't getting the job done. And this is where our little story on eHarmony kind of comes in. Because this was explained to me in endocrinology, another four-month class back in school where we have to understand all of the hormones of the body. I'm amazed that was only four months. Here's here's what happens. You eat something sugary, and it could be just a complex carbohydrate, and complex carbohydrates are just starch. Starch is a long sugar chain. And so what happens when you chew up and and swallow and digest um, starches like like uh, carrots, potatoes, uh, crunchy vegetables, that kind of thing. Um, The sugar in there, uh, one sugar chain will attach to another sugar chain. It'll attach to another sugar chain. And that's what gives the strength of these complex carbohydrates. And what the amylase does in your saliva is it starts to lyse, L-Y-S-E, to lyse, to to cut up those starches into shorter chains, which become glucose. The, the, the smallest sugar molecule that we have is glucose. Now, a, a good example of that would be a banana that you buy in the supermarket, and it's just a tiny bit green. And if you throw that thing hard enough, it could break a window because it is so strong because it's starch. Mm-hmm. Long-chain sugar molecules create the stiffness of an unripe banana. You let it sit there on the counter for two weeks, you throw it against the window, mush, splat, because the uh, starch molecules have been broken down into glucose, and now it's just glucose. Now it's just sugar. 
Before it was starch, now it's sugar. Well, the same thing happens in the digestive processes inside the body, only a little faster. So you're eating this stuff, and all of a sudden those long-chain starches are broken down. They become sugar. The, the, insulin level, the insulin levels start to go up. And if there is no glucose tolerance factor present, or there's not enough, the insulin does not hear the reveille call. You know, the matchmaking. Yeah, yes. And so there's a problem with that. But if there is a responsive insulin molecule, you have to understand insulin molecules are very introverted. They're very shy. <laughs> they don't like people. And the cells of the body are equally, equally shy. So you have, and I think oh, I said then insulin. We have a problem. Yes, I think insulin. I said insulin. I don't mean insulin. I mean blood sugar. The glucose molecules, extremely introverted, lives in caves and doesn't like people, doesn't like the light of day, and it hides. The cells themselves are the same way. So you have blood sugar coming through the blood, and he knows he's supposed to talk to the cell to get that to get inside the cell to feed the cell. And the cell's not sure he's going to like him, and he's kind of funny looking, and he speaks another language, and he's, his orientation is different. And along comes insulin. And insulin is like the matchmaker. E-harmony. This is where e-harmony comes in. <laughs> insulin is the matchmaker. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. How's it go? Find me a catch. <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, it's the matchmaker. And the matchmaker just knocks on the door of the cell and puts its arm around the glucose molecule and the, and the little glucose pore on the side of the cell opens up and have I got, have I got the match for you? <laughs> and it puts his arm around the glucose molecule and brings him in through the door inside the cell and the cell gets its food and the glucose molecule does its job. And insulin goes on to the next one, matchmaking, matchmaking all, all along the bloodstream. So that's what that's the role of insulin. Now that's cool. I never. That's cool. Sorry. So that's how it was explained to me in endocrinology yeah, yeah. by Doctor Brockington. Yeah, you told me you were going to explain it. I still remember him. He was a character. So he'd have all he'd have all these stories that you know to help us to understand how hormones work. So what happens though when that matchmaker is there every day pounding on your door? Go away. Go away. And this is where insulin sensitivity comes in. Because the cell just, I, I know that knock. And I know what she's going to say. <laughs> and I'm just not going to, I'm going on about my business of protein synthesis today. I, I'm just not interested. Even though I'm feeling awfully tired. I need some energy. But I'm not going to answer the door. So is this when your body converts fat into sugar? Because it doesn't recognize the it sugar molecule? No, it doesn't need to do it then because there's plenty of sugar in the system. And the hypothalamus is kicking the pituitary to kick the pancreas to get insulin on the job. But there's elevated insulin. A lot yes, of times people will go get blood work done and it shows that they have elevated glucose, elevated sugar in the blood. And so the doctor says, oh my gosh, you need insulin. But they don't check the insulin levels. 
Now they're starting to yeah, because they, they're beginning to understand insulin sensitivity. So anybody listening to this right now that thinks that they have a sugar handling problem and you go do a fasting glucose, six hour, 12 hour, whatever else, make sure they check the level of insulin at the same time because you may have elevated insulin levels and elevated sugar and the, the job just isn't getting done. And that's where the meat and the bones of this podcast come in. Because what are we going to do about that? Well, we, re have, we have to activate the glucose tolerance factor because that's what activates insulin the, to an excitability level that the cell will recognize. Well, you it. have to have the glucose tolerance factor to activate the insulin. Right. So that's the chromium. That's where chromium comes in. Yeah. Now, the glucose tolerance factor is made of three things. Two vitamin B molecules of the niacinamide variety, yep. B3. There's the Bs. And chromium, mm -hmm. the mineral, mm -hmm. and three amino acids. I think it's glutamic acid, glycine, and cysteine. Yeah, I have those, those three amino acids make up the, of, of the chromium or the glucose tolerance factor, which makes the body able to tolerate glucose, which Good. is why we call it that. Makes now, that ugly guy a cute guy. Right. Now you think now there's several steps here. Chlor you have to get rid of the chlorinated water. You've you've either got to have an RO filter in under your sink in the kitchen or somewhere that will provide you with chlorine-free water. Uh, because the chlorine combined with vitamin E, and vitamin E will come in different sources. Uh, certain kinds of uh, organ meats will have it, but one of the most common sources of vitamin E for most people is whole grain bread. Yeah, but they put it in, the synthetic. There'll be synthetic E in there because if synthetic B vitamins actually worked, nobody would have diabetes. Yes. Because almost everything out there is bathed in, baptized in, washed in synthetic vitamins. Well, everybody's taking synthetic vitamins. They're also, yes. So you yes. take those and you drink chlorinated water. It's a disaster waiting to happen. Yes. So, Killing the islets of longer hand cells in your pancreas. So you can't produce insulin. Now, I, I need to say something here about glucose that's on the label of foods. The glucose that's on food labels came from a corn. Uh, most of our, the, these sweeteners, glucose, dextrose, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, corn sweeteners, high dextrose corn syrup, as well as fructose, start out as corn, but then synthetically things are done to it to uh, increase its sweetness factor in our taste buds. That's high fructose corn syrup. Right. And the glucose that is listed on a food label as high fructose or high glucose corn syrup is not the glucose that's in the bloodstream. Food labeling laws allow them to do this. And that stuff is bad. Dextrose uh, and all these other things I'm mentioning here. And the presence of chlorine just makes these sweeteners even more deadly because it increases their power to induce diabetes. So chlorine uh, in the presence of synthetic vitamin E creates this chemical aloxan. We just talked about that a second ago, which Bad makes news. the sweeteners even more deadly because it kills the islets of Langerhans. And the ADA's answer to all of this, the American Diabetic Association's answer to all of this stuff, just start screening earlier. That's Instead it. of screening for diabetes at 45, we're going to start screening for diabetes at 25. No, they also have the robotic pancreas. Oh, I keep forgetting that. Yeah, that'll adjust your Well, insulin. this is just rampant in the medical arena. No healing, just find the disease earlier. <laughs> and then synthetic glucose, if you high fructose corn syrup, high glucose corn syrup, uh, dextrose corn syrup, period, 
um, blocks the assimilation of calcium that's in the body. And the end result of that is osteoporosis and arthritis, which is why they kind of go hand in hand with diabetes as well. And then so, but what are you going to do about chlorine? I mean, chlorine's put into our drinking water, but it's also a poison to the thyroid. And it's, in, and it's also implicated in increased rates of cancer. So what, what is a, a man and a woman to do? I mean, what are, what are we going to do about this? Take well, chromium every time you eat sugar. Take chromium on a daily basis, but it has to be a food source of chromium. Right, I'm, chromium picolinate is not no, utilized no, no. by the body. No, no, no. I'm talking about the standard process product, Cataplex GTF. Yes. Yeah. T- anytime you break down, you have to have that sugar, you go grab the Cataplex GTF so your body will not store the fat and will use the sugar for the energy source the, that for, you need. Yeah. Correct. Now, also, omega-3 fatty acids play a role here, too, because in a study back in 1993 in the New England Journal of Medicine, quote, omega-3 fats were the most effective in overcoming very profound whole-body insulin resistance. For those who are insulin-resistant with patients in the clinic, I'm always telling them, I want you on tuna omega-3. I want you on linum B6. I want you on both of these oils because I think the proliferation of bad oils out there also contributes to this insulin resistance problem. So bad oils, canola, soybean, that that kind of... Vegetable oil. All the vegetable oils, except for olive oil. Olive oil's all right. All the animal fats, butter, those are good. Uh, Coconut's okay. Palm oil's okay. But anything outside of those... But deep fried vegetable oils or canola oils are the worst. Yes. So you can't eat anything fried anymore from a restaurant. You can if you if they fry it in beef tallow or pork, but of course or lard I meant to say. Yes. But they they don't. So as we're putting this protocol together here to help people uh, take care of their insulin resistance, uh, there, there's also a very uh, strong resistance exercising. Yes. That weight lifting. That will make a match maker. Power walking. That, well, that the only way to get sugar it. into the cells without insulin mm-hmm. is resistance exercise. Almost exercise almost to the point where you work up a sweat. Doing stairs, the treadmill, uh, resistance with weights, power walking around the neighborhood. So if you're not producing insulin then you really need to do the exercise. In fact, you had a study there you told me about with just exercise and a diet change. It was, what, two or three times more effective? 58% faster sugar uptake into the cells than just using a diabetic drug like metformin. Hmm. So it's like a bouncer in a bar. Yeah. It's forcing you to meet this person. It's forcing you... It was a study done at Georgetown University when uh, eating take, when they were still eating the two groups, they were eating the same amount of sugar, but one took a chromium supplement like GTF and their blood sugar levels rose 50% less than the control group without the chromium cell uh, supplement because chromium can reverse glucose intolerance. And I just, it, it reminds me of a, uh, a statement made by Dr. Dan Winkler, who was past professor of medical history and ethics at the University of Wisconsin years and years and years ago. And he said this, doctors make mistakes a lot. Everybody knows it, except the patients. <laughs> well, we're telling you. So a study in the Federation Proceedings back in 1984, where women were in a double-blind study that were given as little as 200 micrograms 
of chromium, and it completely brought their hypoglycemia under control, low blood sugar. Yeah, you have to have chromium to process So hypoglycemia sugar. is essentially a B vitamin disease. They need cat GTF, cataplex B. Hyperglycemia is a vitamin B deficiency because the process of glycolysis inside the cell where you get the breakdown of glucose uh, to, I, I think, if I remember right, it produces acetyl-CoA, which gets into the Krebs cycle, which is where the real energy manufactured in the mitochondria of the body takes place. All of that is vitamin B dependent and not synthetic vitamin B, the real, the real McCoy. And also, your own body creates and produces vitamin B. A healthy gut. Yes, the enterocytes produce that. You can take all the B vitamins in the world if you don't have a healthy gut. It's not going to help. It's not going to do you a whole lot no, of good. Got to get the guy. So since 1959, we have known that chromium deficiencies are characterized by reduced lifespan, impaired growth, lesions on the cornea of the eye, and defective sugar metabolism. Ew. And again, the, 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 the glucose tolerance factor itself is just a molecule structure that has chromium at the very center. Absolutely essential to sugar handling is chromium. And it's surrounded by two molecules of um, niacinamide B3, which is, which is, I mean, niacinamide, which is, the, we just call it niacin. Mm -hmm. The real term is niacinamide. And then, uh, and then the three amino acids, glutamic acid, glycine, and cysteine. And this is, you know, it, I mean, one of the first signs of chromium uh, deficiency is complete intolerance to alcohol, by the way. If you if you ever see if you if it ever happens to you or you're with somebody that gets severe reddening of the face after just one drink, they have severe chromium deficiencies. You know, I wonder if that's what happens with these kids that go off to college and they die the first time they drink alcohol. I mean, granted, they drink a lot, but still, I wonder if it could be playing a role. It certainly could be yeah. playing a role. Women in Western countries are so deficient in chromium, according to the CDC that their white blood cell chromium levels decrease by 50% with each succeeding pregnancy. Ooh. You've heard of gestational diabetes. Yes, of course. Could chromium play a role in this? I mean, eating lots of refined carbohydrates simply replete, uh, depletes the chromium levels that you also already have. Chromium deficiency is related to intraocular pressure, glaucoma. Wait, let's go back to the pregnancy thing. Okay. Because you lost me there. I mean, you didn't lose me. I just, you know, I'm <gasps> like that. We have Cataplex GTF on our pregnancy protocol. Yes, we do. For pre, -pre the time, the time you want to get healthy is before, before you get pregnant. Before you get pregnant. But if that's too late, then you do it while you're pregnant. And that glucose tolerance factor is so critical to help you not get gestational diabetes. Yes. So you were going on, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. You did the pre, the glaucoma. That was another one. See, I was thinking we should Yeah, this diabetes, chromium deficiencies are glaucoma. related to glaucoma, intraocular pressure. So when I have a patient so who, who says, can you do anything with glaucoma? Well, there's some nutritional support for it. There's some studies that indicate chromium deficiency can cause buildup of pressure inside the eyeball. So I would recommend GTF. So whatever you're doing in conjunction with your optometrist or your ophthalmologist, uh, it wouldn't hurt to include a little cataplex GTF along with that to get the chromium inside your body. Yes, and that's true, but I have to state it. I know I state it in every single podcast. Get your gut healthy. 
And then you don't have to worry you can't, about these You can't things. stress that enough, sweetie. I know, I know. But, you know, we're going to put, I have put together, which we've had for years in our office, a nutritional support for diabetes. It'll be at the end of this podcast also. And it's a great set of supplements to help you, help you lose weight, help you have more energy. And we have gotten people off their diabetic medicine, metformin, in one week in with this. In one week. With this protocol. Many, many, many In times. conjunction with their internist, I might add. Yes. Oh, and that's another thing. Once you start this protocol. Oh, this is very important. This is very important. If you are insulin dependent or if you're using something like glucophage, which is just metformin. Metformin. And metformin is a chemical compound that's designed to stop the liver from making glucose. So they tell you to watch your sugars, take metformin. Well, that will decrease blood sugar. But metformin has some side effects that aren't the best, and it doesn't heal anything. But um, the important thing here... Talk to your doctor because... Because you're going to start having blood sugar swings. If you use this protocol... You're going to start noticing well, that you, the drugs you're taking are decreasing your blood sugar even further because your body's ability to handle that blood sugar is improving. And so you want to be, I would check your, you start this protocol, you should be checking your blood sugar three times a day. Yes, that's very dangerous. Yes. Yeah. And don't. so, and then you let your physician know what you're doing. That you don't need, hopefully. That you may not need as much because we've had patients now who are no longer on uh, diabetic drugs. Well, and with, you know, I told about this in the introduction to the gut protocol, or I mean, podcast. I had a patient that had been on shooting himself up with insulin twice a day for I, at least a decade, maybe more. And two months of gaps, he only had to do it once. Yes. Yeah. Well, we are, this is an hour long so far, so I know, I, I want you to tell me that story again about that eight-year-old child. Well, this was sad. Real quick, I just had a patient I've been working with for a long time, and she recently told me her son got remarried, and he moved in with them, which was really kind of not so cool, <laughs> but he moved in with them with his new wife, who had an eight-year-old daughter, and she's type 1 diabetic, and the the doctors, the diabetes doctors, what are they called? Well, it's usually an internist. Okay. I was going to say. Usually, you know, your general practitioner, family doctor can take yeah. care of these things. But Told her. No, it was the dietician. That's what it was. The dietician that told them how she's supposed to eat said, it doesn't matter what you eat. The only thing we're going to restrict you from is soda. The rest you manage with insulin. So they taught well, her how if what it doesn't matter what she eats if it goes up then do this if it goes down then do this so they're managing her diabetes with insulin so the grandmother well she's a step grandmother is so upset about this because she says you cannot believe what this little eight year old eats it's sugar 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 and oh did I mention sugar yes and she can't do anything about it because it's this new yeah. daughter in law and it's not even her real grandchild and she says when and she has ended up tending her, which is kind of, you know, crazy. But when the, when the mother is gone, she tends this little eight-year-old girl and she gives her bacon and eggs and um, raw milk as much as she can get um, because she has to buy it and it's expensive. But she gives her bacon, of course, without nitrites in them because yes. those will kill the aisle longer hand. Yeah, uncured yes. bacon. 
Well, nitrites are known to be carcinogenic to the walls of the gut. So that's... Yeah, they're bad all the way around. And so, but then when the mother comes home, she brings home, you know, she stops and gets cold cereal and pasteurized milk and, you know, margarine and they share the same kitchen and it's just, it's such a mess for her. So that's, but, but my point was that they're trying to manage her diabetes with insulin, not by diet. Yes. And that's so easily cured. In fact, better than, easier than anything else with diet and exercise in these little kids. I remember a patient um, by the name of Bob. I don't remember his last name. <laughs> Bob? You might remember Big Bob. And he, I, I took care of him because of low back pain and knee pain. And his low back and knee pain, you know, really uh, was resolved. But he developed a case of diabetes, which, which is only the natural thing to happen in his lifestyle because of the kind of diet that he and his sister consumed. So he went to, he says, what do I do? And I say, well, I want you to, here's what I want you to do on my end. But while you're doing that, I want you to go visit your family doctor and sit down with him and get these blood tests done. And let's see what's going on because he was complaining of excessive thirst and urinating all the time. Is he skinny too? No. He was probably a good 50, 60 pounds overweight. So he went and the, uh, his family doctor sent him to a dietitian. And the dietitian had him eating somewhere between three and 400 grams of carbohydrates a day. And he was told then the glucophage, the metformin that you're taking, will help you to handle that. You don't need to worry about wow. it. Now, there's 454 grams in a pound. He was eating a pound of carbohydrates a day. And was told that was okay. Yes. I told him, this is going to kill you. This is going to kill you. I want your carbohydrate intake down to less than 60 grams a day. And I want more exercise out of you and a couple other things. So just wrap up here, just a real quick recap, because we've gone on for quite a while. The glucose tolerance factor has got to be operational for your insulin to work. Glucose Glucose tolerance factor at the heart and core is chromium. You mill flour and turn whole wheat flour into white flour, you have removed 98% of the chromium that was present in that wheat. And all these kids eating white bread, the whiter the bread, the sooner you're dead, I think is the label in one of the bags of... You uh, grew up on white bread, too. I grew up on white bread, yeah. I did. Then there's resistance exercise and whole food vitamin B. Your body cannot process sugar properly without whole food vitamin B. Where you will get from organ meat. Organ meat, nutritional yeast, the yeah. two major supports, liver and nutritional yeast, or the supplements that we recommend here at the end of the show. And then the most important, I suppose, if you have been diagnosed with diabetes or diabetes type 1 or 2, either one, is the long life energy enzymes because it gives the pancreas a rest. Yes, it ha- helps heal the Isles of Langerhans cells. It has herbs in there that mimic insulin. You have the anti-diabetic effect. Yeah, and it's got you know a probiotic in it also. But that's that's the first place to start to give your pancreas a rest. And then I would add in Diaplex from Standard Process because it has the pancreatrophin PMG, the protomorphogen of the pancreas, and it also has the pituitrophin support in there. And remember how you... Ex- Explain the pituitary produces the hormone that that 
tells the kidney with the osmotic pressure what to let go of. Let go or hold. Or hold. Hold on to. Right. Very, very important that that pancreas get, I mean, the pituitary get support. It also has Zypan in it, which is hydrochloric acid, which helps the acid in the stomach. So you'll bro- break down your proteins better. It's got a um, arginex in it, which is will flush the kidneys out and help clean up those the toxic aspects of the kidney. And it has a product in there that helps thin the bile for the gallbladder. It's a great product. If if the whole world took four diaplex a day, there would be no health problems in this country. Oh, I I I believe at least a ninety percent reduction. Yeah, and then of course the chromium, the cataplex GTF, the glucose tolerance factor, and then the linum B six, which is the flax oil we talked about, and cataplex B. Then we just recommend intense weight resistant program. Um, pro, uh, work up slowly. Yes, and work with your doctor on that. Well, also. again, because let me say because you could have heart problems. That's right. Because of every thing we have said here in suggestion of supporting pancreatics uh, function in the body is to be done in conjunction with your physician. Yeah, this isn't something to play around with. No. Because you could lower your need for insulin and you're shooting too much in you or vice versa. So... Yeah, there's a, there's a, between insulin shock and diabetic yeah, coma, there isn't a whole lot of room in there. So you want to be very careful you work with your doctor doing this protocol. Although these are just foods, but even still, you want to be careful with this, especially with the weight resistant exercise. Yes. So I put this together with explanations of each one, the nutritional support for diabetes. It will be at the bottom of this podcast. And along with that, the, uh, I have uh, the explanation, the four page explanation oh, of the right. long life energy enzymes. That'll be there at the end. And all the protocols and dang it, there's another podcast. In and let's save somebody's life. So they tell don't. everybody about this that you know has pre-diabetes, diabetes 1, diabetes 2, because even in diabetes 1, the beta cells, the islet of Langerhans, can be recovered and functional again. Yeah. Your body is set to restore and repair. Yes. This is the forbidden information. Nobody will tell you. They will tell you you just need drugs. I can't tell you how many times I have talked to patients where they, before I give my big explanation of everything, they they get so upset, they drag somebody in and they say, he won't take his medication. He's a diabetic and he won't take his medication. And you have to teach him wow. to take his medication because they truly believe that's going to heal them. Or at least they believe that it is going to help them live longer. And it may... It may manage the symptoms just fine, but let's do the forbidden information and heal this. Yes. Help your body heal this. Yes. Remember, all diseases begin in the gut. Let's do that first, and then let's follow some very simple protocols to support your body. Diabetes does not have to be the disastrous disease that it is because it can. you can change the diabetic path you're on. Yeah. All right. Okay. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Forbidden Doctor podcast with Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell. It's our pleasure to join you on your health revolution and look forward to our quest for health together. Join us again next week for more health secrets and forbidden truths about self-healing.
Until then, visit ForbiddenDoctor.com and enter your email to receive a special coupon for the Forbidden Doctor Special Scientific Formula, our long-life energy enzymes. This custom-made one-capsule supplement is created from the most concentrated energy-stimulating enzymes. For more information, be sure to head over to ForbiddenDoctor.com. These podcasts are provided for information only. The previous statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Nothing that was said is intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.